Hello, and welcome to Cannabis for the Rest of Us. I started this podcast as a way to learn about the cannabis community and share this knowledge with other adults who are curious about cannabis. We're now well into season two, and there have been many changes in the legal cannabis market in California since adult use of cannabis became legal in January 2018. While there have been many positive developments, legal cannabis prices have gone up, making it harder for some people to purchase cannabis in licensed dispensaries. As a result, the underground illicit cannabis market in California is thriving, which is an unintended result of the adult use legalization. Fortunately, one forward-thinking cannabis company is doing something about it for the medical cannabis community. My guest is Kevin Bobolian, the CEO of Branded. Their ethos and company mission is to help patients keep their access to the high-quality legal medicine they need. I spoke with Kevin at the Branded offices in North Hollywood, California. Kevin, you're about to embark on a new direction for cannabis products under the name Branded. Now, concepts are one thing, execution is another. So first, I want to talk about the concept and what led you down this path of creating high quality but reasonably priced cannabis products. Basically, it's been observing the market uh, for the past few years. Uh, being in the market since 2006, uh, cultivating and just looking at the market and the progression, looking at the bigger picture, which is the uh, market in the United States, international, and how it's developing, and looking at the trends and kind of trying to forecast what, what's happening uh, in those markets, specifically uh, now on the uh, manufacturing end, on the THC side, um, and also on the cultivation side, which ultimately leads to uh, manufacturing and whether it's prices, it's uh, trends, packaging, uh, consumer behavior, and just really taking a hard look at it. Not just what we expect it to be, but what it's actually going to be. And after much observing and having a lot of time to really dig into the numbers and really being able to justify um various components and and how they would relate to California. You know, we have a very big economy, uh, population set aside. You have the tourism aspect and really looking at what can you do where it's sustainable and it'll work, uh, not only in the interim, but going forward many years down down the line. So I'm curious, you know, the the California market has been pretty volatile. So from a business standpoint, I'm curious about you know, actually, you're looking at reality here, right? You're looking at the reality of the market. But what are some of the business tools that you used? Was it just observational or what? How did you come to that conclusion of what you wanted to do to go forward? Well, a lot of the business tools right now, there's there's a lot of data out there. But the data, in my opinion, some of it is premature. You can't base your whole business off the data because it's so, again, premature. If you really look at legalization, we're looking at a couple of months. Um, and for that data and new, new consumers entering the market, that data is constantly going to change. So again, we looked at data, which we have a very limited amount of, but we looked at it from the state standpoint, right? United States, uh, various other components, whether it's uh, Massachusetts, Nevada, which is basically our neighbor, to Arizona, Oregon, Washington. And we kind of noticed what pitfalls they, they were getting into and how to avoid that. The second biggest component is, is I, I guess you would call it the human uh, component, which is our relationships that we've, no pun intended, cultivated since 2006 and 7, and really built that ecosystem 
and we have, you know, I'm proud to say we have relationships through up and down the state, uh, from small manufacturers to some of the biggest brands out there, from small cultivators to some of the biggest cultivators out there, specifically in, in California, and just exchanging information and having that reliability of uh, forecasting market trends and, and what's happening, whether it's uh, different strains that are coming out. We're moving from the classics to the exotics, for example, mm-hmm. moving from the old school plastic tip cartridges to uh, metal tip to sea cell, going away from plastic to glass cartridges to pods and different kind of edibles and really looking at taking a hard look at the black market and what it and how it progressed and what's happening in the black market and how that would affect the um, regulated market. So you're you're kind of going on a, a different path here as I mentioned in the in the introduction. How do your competitors feel about what you're doing and do you care sir? Um do I care? Honestly, if I cared, there's a lot of things I would have not done going back from 2014 or even the cultivation days of, you know, 2006 and 7 where, you know, pesticides were widely used, we never used them. Um being child resistant since day one when we launched our products where, you know, no other company was child resistant. And mind you, we didn't have regulation back then, right? Right. So if, if I had to, to really care, I, I listen to everyone's opinion and I, I take it with, you know, grain of salt, as they say. But um, no, I, I we have a clear vision in mind. We have a clear path and uh, we're going forward accordingly. If you had to explain to someone that knew nothing about Branded, how would you describe the company and the brand? Branded is basically from, again, going back to our many years of being in the industry and knowing what is going on in the industry and where it's going to go and how it's being constricted right now. With uh, the, the price is just, you know, it's astronomical with the taxes and everything going on. Right. Multi-layers uh, of taxes. Correct. Right? Multi-layers. Yeah. In so, California. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Specifically in California. Um so we looked at it and we decided, well, what, what can we do? Ultimately, the industry has been good to us, right, since 2006, seven. Mm-hmm. So like, how, what, what can we do, our, play our part in, in this um, big uh, scheme of things, I guess, if you can call it that. Right. And, well, we can't do anything about the taxes right now in, in, in the immediate. But what we can do is really take a hard look at our marketing costs, and our manufacturing processes and mm-hmm. become really efficient in, in, in those areas where we, we have control over. Right. And what we sure, have control sure. over. Yeah. And really cut that down, become really efficient. And instead of spending a lot of money on marketing, uh, doing pay to play with these shops and, and under the table bribes. And I mean, I've heard it many times and in, in many various forms is how can we pass those costs on to um the consumer or the or, or the patient in conjunction with these uh, retail operators, these mm-hmm. dispensaries, mm-hmm. where they join forces with us by displaying the products and educating um, the consumers that, look, it's not about the packaging, it's what's inside. And, you know, all, everything is lab tested, as you can see with the packaging, everything is labeled on there. So they get better educated because, again... Uh, education doesn't stop. I don't, I don't think it'll ever stop just because of the way the plant is maturing and growing and, and the industry itself uh, gives them that opportunity. So would you say that branded, uh, just to follow up on the concept, it, it seems to me that you're you're doing this in some ways for patients' rights 
right? For Correct. people that need access to a medicine. Is branded the manifestation of that advocacy for you guys? Well, I, I would say yes, because we, we did start off in the medical uh, arena, if you would like to call it that, or in the medical space, right? When we started in 2006, it was strictly medical. There was no, rec, uh, there was no recreational market. Uh, specifically in California. You had to join a collective, which was the name for the dispensaries Correct. then, right? Correct. Yeah. We would join the collective, and collectives would work in conjunction with each other depending on the products and their services they were able to offer and so forth and so on. So even though we are recreational now, in, in, it's a lot of medical is still there, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And patients still need access to the product. So it, it was just, I guess, our, our whole... Um, theory on on how this should work and it's i guess you put it best it's a manifestation of we we haven't forgotten our roots our roots are in the medical uh we're still there patients still need access and ultimately they they it the whole industry was built off of them you can't i i I don't see how we would uh stray away from that it would take away from our company values to be able to build uh what we have today, whether it's the industry, whether it's the company, which is um, a small component of, of the big community that we have, and for us to stray away from that and say, well, we're just going to go completely recreational and it's all about money and profit, uh, it, it just wouldn't line up with our company values, with my personal values, or the team that we have working um, and the employees at uh, our company. So getting to the core, you know, I like to remind people that are new to cannabis that it's all based on the plant. So even if you're enjoying cannabis by a vape or a tincture or whatever form you're in, it all starts with the plant. So I'm curious about your relationship um, because you, you are, you're, you've been around, you're, it's a legacy operation here. You've been part of the, of the community for a long time. What's your relationship with the, with the cannabis farmers um, and the people that produce the oil? Our relationship is very close. Uh, starting way back from 2006, 2007, when we were ourselves cultivators or, or farmers, as, as, as they call it. Um, so our relationship is very close, again, up and down the state, from the small, t- small cultivator to the big farms and the, the big-time cultivators with uh, acres and acres and acres and greenhouses, outdoor, indoor. Um, and that's one, one of the key components of our success, I would like to think, is because we've had those relationships and we've been an open book. Uh, we've shared what's going on with our uh, strains, uh, growing practices, better practices, learning from all other cultivators. And even though we're, we're in manufacturing, ultimately to be able to manufacture an oil, to be able to extract, you first need the, the, the plant, correct? You need to have something to extract from. Um, that's what a lot of that's where we kind of like to differentiate ourselves because we still have that relationship and we hold a lot of, uh, we, we put a lot of importance on those relationships and we just continue to um, feed and, and nurture and grow that ecosystem that we've built with the, all the farmers across the state. So do you think that, that trust plays an important role within those relationships? I mean, I would think so, right? It's, it's key. It's key to your success. Like anybody can go go pick up small amounts of flour, they'll find it. It's a spot buy or whatnot. But once you get to a certain point, and now you're supplying throughout California, and you need large amounts. That's where that trust comes in, where they're paid on time, they're paid a fair price, and it's not about that. 
that again, that spot buy where oh, I just you know uh, made an extra two three hundred dollars because I was able to negotiate a better price. You know, you probably were able to sucker someone out of uh, good product and you paid less for it. Well, that was that one time. What happens when you grow? It's knowing that trust that when you have certain growing pains such as working capital or anything else or, or anything of that nature, uh, the farmer trusts you enough where he gives you 30-day terms, 45-day terms, 60-day terms. He, You have that trust where you know he's not going to give you the tainted product where you now have to go through an extra process of remediation and that's all labor, it's all costs, right? Brings up your costs. So trust is the biggest factor. You know what you're getting and working in conjunction with them they're the first ones to come out with the new strains. So you already have an automatic upper hand knowing what strains are going to become popular and what are actually, for example, uh, a, a real Skywalker strain as compared to another strain that they just call Skywalker. So, right, right. Yeah. Because there could be a lot of difference between what they're actually calling it and what it is. Correct. Bait and switch happens all the time. No, I'm shocked yeah. to learn that. Yeah. Happens all the time. <laughs> uh, you started to touch on this. I want to talk about the execution side. Kevin, walk me through how you can produce high quality products um, and offer them for sale lower than what your competitors are doing. Walk me through it. To walk through it, we would have to start at the basis, which is again our cultivating uh, cultivation roots and really understanding the plant and the THC and the can- cannabinoid profiles and, and just getting into the manufacturing from that, um, really understanding what you're taking out, knowing you have true numbers instead of just inflated numbers and with your losses and all that. But again, uh, the biggest thing would be the relationship with, with the cultivation community, knowing what the prices are, getting a good price, a fair price uh, with a proper yield. Uh, second is efficiency. Manufacturing efficiency is key. Um, having the right equipment where you do cut your labor costs, but you actually are able to do more in these in the eight hours uh, with the right amount of equipment and mm-hmm. the right equipment as compared to um, just trying to do everything manual or semi-automatic. And it's not always that automatic makes sense. That's the biggest um thing that I've seen with other manufacturers, they go full automatic. But depending on the process and, and THC and infusing and the entire process is mm-hmm. it's really, you know, automated doesn't always work out well. Tell me a little bit about what's automated about that process. Well, by automated is, for example, whether it's chocolates or gummies or vapes, certain vapes, you mm-hmm. have to basically, once you fill it, you have to cap it within 10 seconds if you don't want to have a leak issue. Really? Yeah. You have to cap it within a certain amount, depending on the manufacturer of the vape. Now, Mm -hmm. if you go with that process automated, you would have to fill anywhere from 100 to 200 to 300 carts at a time. Then once it's removed from the machine, then you start, the the operator would manually cap it or the machine would go and do its second process of uh, automated capping. Okay. But now you have a two, three minute, window there right that you weren't able to cap and with pressure and gravity and and various other um components you're going to start having a big leak rate which can range anywhere from five to twenty to thirty percent and again this is all dependent on the manufacturer uh, recommendations but certain aspects you know it doesn't work well 
um, if you're doing chocolates, if you you don't have the right automated equipment mm-hmm. and or gummies, you have a lot of loss on the walls. Um, your temperatures can range if it's not the right equipment and it's not uh, properly dialed in. So you have a lot of those issues also. What do you think is your biggest challenge for creating consistent products? Probably innovation um, to okay. set yourself apart. Um I mean, you, you have various kind of chocolates, vapes. Well, how do you set yourself apart? How do you? We, we, we like to innovate. We're, since uh, day one, we've, we've wanted to always innovate and never stop and just learn new processes and learn how, how can a certain process or product be better or be done better is, is our key motto here mm-hmm. internally. Um, when it comes to innovation, you got different kind of terpene profiles that you can uh, play around with natural terpenes and uh, now you have THC, CBD varying into different cannabinoids you have your uh, CBN, CBG and really looking at, at all those other components and see what really makes a true spectrum a, a full full spectrum, full spectrum product, sure, product. Sure. and how what amount is that right amount whether you're talking about CBN you're talking about CBG or any of the various hundreds of uh cannabinoids that are available is to really just again innovate and and a lot of r&d a lot of our time is spent on r&d well and it makes sense to me since your background is you guys started as farmers that kind of gives you a big advantage because you've been close to the plant literally growing the plant correct one thing i noticed about the packaging is that the price is actually on the packaging Um, so if a, a dispensary wants to raise the price they actually have to put a sticker over your sticker Uh, and to me this seems kind of simple and radical at the same time so walk me through that decision Kevin on why you guys wanted to do that Um, because I'm not sure that a Harvard MBA would recommend that course of action well we discourage covering the price with the suggested retail price uh, with dispensaries and again with the price it does say plus tax because we have uh, right. three sure. tax structures whether you're a medical patient with a state card a recommendation or just a recreational patient or a consumer so with that being said the, the whole concept with branded was working with and still is working with retail licensed retail operators and the one thing I keep trying to drive is it's not about the sales that you have today or the numbers you have today whether it's the consumer or the dollar amounts it's about the consumer that's not entering the shop and they're going to the black market shops because they see these taxes and these prices and they're so low well obviously those products in illicit shops they're not tested uh there we god knows what's in them and where they came from where they who's came growing from them, right who's growing them that. and we you know throughout our years we've seen a lot of uh bad products and, and, and people get sick from them so our concept is we're doing our part have the retail operator do his part and literally make it where it's advantageous for the consumer for them to do the numbers and say wait a minute i can get the same product even better where it's lab tested uh, I know what I'm getting, quality, and I'm doing my fair share, paying taxes, and they're staying legal. They're not going to be caught in an disp- illegal dispensary doing an enforcement action or anything. Yeah, that'd be bad. It, exactly. Oh, the repercussions are going to be bad. Uh, for the same price, if not lower, than the illicit shop, why wouldn't I? Just go to the licensed shop. And from there, you have... 
you have a customer for a lifetime. It seems to me that part of what you're doing is not only helping patients, but by offering, again, a, a, a very good product at a reasonable cost, you're also helping to fight the underground market. Is that a fair assessment? I mean, is that important to you guys? I mean, I would think so, right? It's very important. It's, and that is a very correct assessment. Uh, to say that we're going to win this fight alone, it would be a lie. Uh, we, we do hope other manufacturers, uh, retail operators, cultivators, um, and just everyone, whoever has a stake in the industry would join us in doing you know what we're doing. Not specifically only what we're doing, but whatever they can do, whatever they can contribute. Now, the way I see it, if we don't do our part for this industry, mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be no industry to worry about in a couple of years. The industry is constricted. Right now, it's constricting itself. We need more retail shops out there. Legal retail legal, shops, Legal, legal, right? yeah. Yeah, that'd be I'm good. I'm so used to, you know, going with everything is legal. And that's why, you know, kind of to touch up on that, that's why we shut down our operations in January of 2018. And we've been shut down for about a year and three months until we got our state licenses. One of, I would like, maybe a handful of companies throughout the state that, that actually went so wait, you had no production going on for over a year. Yes. Until you became licensed and legal. Correct. That is awesome. Thank you. And I, my guess is that's fairly unusual. Very, very. I, um, again, it was the right thing to do. Was it an easy decision? No. Uh, do I regret the decision? No. Looking back at it, it gave us time again to really look at the market and see what's happening on the legal side, of course. And collect a lot of data, meet a lot of interesting and, and very good people. Some bad, but, you know, I, I don't waste my time on those. I just think about the good partners and, and the relationships that we've been able to grow even more. And we're on the same page and fighting this uh, illicit market the uh, best way we can. Like I said in the beginning, there's only so much we can do with taxes. There are, you know, various regulations that are being pushed uh, up the state, but those are all going to take time. Right. So, again, we took it a hard look at what can we do as a company, play our part, and to basically help this industry survive and grow without it, in a sense, imploding right. on itself. Um, you you kind of touched on this, and I w- want to follow up on it, that um, your company has a reputation for forward thinking. I mean, you mentioned a couple of things just, you know, a moment ago. Um, But like you were doing childproof packaging before the state law required it. Um, You've been very open about sharing information on your website about um, test results and other other elements of um, your products. Um, You provided dosing information, which I thought was great because that's such a bane of the industry. People, you know, new consumers and even experienced consumers might not know the correct dose for what they're trying to do, right? So I would sum all of this up in one word, and that's transparency. And is that important to you guys? Oh, transparency is key. If we don't have that, that's our own. Our product is our direct only source of direct communication with the consumer, right? I I wish I would be able to talk to every single consumer personally, but obviously with time constraints and, and the vast population that we have in California, I wouldn't be able to do that. Well, it's good you're coming on the show. Yeah, well, th- this is another, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is another way of uh, being able to directly talk to the consumer. But transparency is key. Uh, like I said, and, and you, you just mentioned, Philip, um, we were child resistant in 2014, 2015 when it, it wasn't required. We had our own dosage meter. 
a lot of companies started using our own dosage meter. It didn't bother me one bit. So again, trend setting, right? Trend setting, yes. Uh, we're actually the first and only company nationwide in the world, actually, internationally also, to, to have Braille on our packaging when we had our chocolates. Uh, we were the only company to have Braille uh, for the blind. And again, that was kind of to pay homage I mean, I think that's amazing. Just just yeah. that right there, the fact that you had Braille on packaging, I think is just, that is just so awesome to be able to offer that to patients that, is anybody else even doing that now? Or did people, I'm assuming, follow your lead on that? Uh, up until this date, no, no company has. Um, oh, man. It's, I guess, an internal decision for them. But um, yeah, um, dosage meter we've had, we've, our previous packaging has pretty much the same warnings that we have right now. And again, this was 2015, and all the extensive warnings, all, all that stuff, we, we basically had it because we knew where the industry was going to go. We, we saw what happened with Massachusetts and their licensing process. Um, you had in Illinois and Nevada and all these states. So we knew this was going to come online. So we absorbed those costs early on. Mm-hmm. We learned to adapt early on. So a lot of companies, when this child-resistant packaging was mandated, well, a lot of them, the brands, and I won't name any, but uh, just out of professional courtesy, you know, they were happy to announce, we're child-resistant now, we're proud of it. Well, at the same time, they were lobbying to remove the child-resistant packaging requirement. And again, that's up for debate. But basically, we were able to absorb those costs and adjust our manufacturing processes and our and our equipment and our labor where child, the mandate came that mm-hmm. you have to be child resistant. Obviously, they kind of removed it now, but starting January 2020, uh, it's mandated to be child resistant. It wasn't a surprise to us. Our numbers didn't change. It was it was another it was another day for us. We didn't have to run around and look for and source for packaging and well, what are we going to do? How is this going to affect the product, the look, the cost? Most importantly, for us, it was just another day at the office. We're recording this in June of 2019. So when do you plan to roll out branded products to the dispensaries? We have done a soft rollout with our retail partners. And I'm proud to say every day we're adding more and more shops, Southern California and uh, Northern California. Okay. So we are... You can visit our websites. Yeah, I was going to ask you, where can people find you online and and get all this great information that we're talking about today? They can visit trybranded.com. We have a uh, product locator and dispensary retail uh, licensed, of course, only uh, operator uh, portal there where you can see exactly. Oh, so people can go to trybranded.com and and look for a dispensary that's actually offering your product. Correct. Well, that's good. Yes. And it's being updated daily uh, as more and more uh, licensed retail operators uh, join the movement. I w- the movement. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it keeps with your company ethos that, um, you know, you take a look at what's happening in the market and roll out in a calculated way instead of just saying, OK, we're launching now. We're going to be trying try to be in a thousand dispensaries overnight. Is, is that fair? Is, th- is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty uh, fair assessment. Um, for us, it, it's it's not about just shotgunning it out to every dispensary out there and, right. and doing these publicity, uh, marketing um, pushes. It's more about getting into the right shops, the shops that really understand the concept, and and literally building off organically through there, where 
I've always said it's, it doesn't matter it's how many shops you're in. It's, it's the numbers that you're doing at those shops. Right. And for us, it, it really matters that it gets to the right people's hands because we believe uh, word of mouth, you, you can't beat it. No amount of money can you word of mouth advertising and just telling their friends or family or colleagues about the product really is, is, is a tremendous value and it's organic growth, which we love. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for taking time to educate me. Um, you know, I started this podcast as a way for me to learn personally. And when I found out about what you were doing, I really wanted to come talk to you about it because I think as, a, as an industry, we need to be a community. And I think what you're doing with Branded really plays into that. So thank you for taking time to, to come on Cannabis for the rest of us. Thank you for uh, taking the time to come and, and talk. And you're always welcome. And uh, hopefully in the next few months, more interesting uh, topics will arise and, and products and brands. And uh, we'd love to help you in any way we can. Thank you for listening to Cannabis for the rest of us please subscribe and help us grow. Check out our show notes for more information about this podcast, Gotta Story Media, and our sponsor, Three Wells. You can find us at gotastory.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-S-T-O-R-Y.com.